0: The Cowboy Craft. Welcome in to the Cowboy Craft Podcast. This is episode number five. Let's get going. So today on the, uh, on the podcast we have Don Gonzalez out of Texas. Uh, super extraordinaire saddle maker, fun guy, and fantastic interview. You will like it. If you don't like it, you probably won't like much we're doing here. Um, after that we have episode number six coming online very soon, and that will feature Kurt Mattson, sculptor, painter, creator, um, and he has tons of insight as well. We got some other people following that that I'm hoping we can get wrapped up as well. I got uh, Great base and Hat co that I want to get uh, to the interview and a few other fun things, but every week we're going to bring you a new and exciting interview with a cowboy crafter. That's the goal right now. Uh we're trying to get the word out to educate on what this is all about, what the culture is all about and what the mission statement is of this particular podcast. Namely number 1 to educate anybody that uh, may have a misconception or misunderstanding of what is happening within the cowboy craft industry. We are not only still here but we are thriving and we are fighting against the tides of time it seems like uh as every year goes by we are losing our foothold to some degree in the handcrafted um, world however there is a movement that has risen up and there are people like don gonzalez and kurt matson and a bunch of other people i could name them one after the other that are holding true and standing firm to the history the culture in the way of life. Um, what we also are trying to do here is raise people up, bring them information that will inspire, enlighten, and uphold. If you can find that here, we have we have done our job to some extent, and we are hoping you will find that. Number three, give you something to smile about, something to laugh at, and something to come back to when every podcast is uploaded. In return, we ask one thing, that you will listen. I know, it's a hard and tough thing to ask, but we do ask it. If you will listen, we will continue to make them. I'm um, definitely a Field of Dreams scenario, and we're hoping that you will also take some time to leave a review either at iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you find that you can hit type and then hit enter and it uploads a comment. The last thing I wanted to say is... Um, While talking to these and interviewing all of these people, I've also tried to add some insight as to how they got there and where they're going. Um, These are all important questions that we all ask, um, but the insight in all of that is that I've taken away with every single person I've interviewed is simply this. You will fail, you will hit the ground, you will hit the dirt. The question simply is, will you give up or will you get up and keep going? Will you embrace what is inside of you, that call, to continue on, to carry on against all odds, whatever they may be, financial, or whatever the case may be? Within me, I believe that the, the call comes from a higher power, and I must answer that call, and I must fulfill the measure of my creation I am a creator first and foremost that is the passion that I have to create and, um, and then to create within this cowboy culture that we all love so much. Um, hopefully all of you out there that are ranchers, farmers, whatever you might be whether you're in the crafts or not will listen to this podcast and we'll get something out of it because I feel like you can get a lot out of it and that you can take pride in the fact that we are doing this because you are still doing what you are still doing and uh and our hat is off to you please continue to go out there every day and hold up this great american tale of the cowboy buckaroo vaquero way of life and uh i think that's all we're gonna all we're gonna say before we go into this interview um don gonzalez master and commander of saddle making in texas really fun guy tells his story well and gives a ton of insight into what it's like to be a cowboy saddle maker in the heart of texas Alrighty, folks. So I'm here with uh, Don Gonzalez down in Texas. Uh, he is a person I've been watching for a long time. Super talented guy. He's a, an artist all the way around and a uh, really bright guy in the saddle making industry and a super cowboy crafter and uh, really excited to have him on. Don, how are you doing? Thanks so much for coming on with us. Doing good, Josh. How are you, man? Glad to have, Glad to be here. Thank you so much. Well, I'm doing pretty well, especially since I'm talking to you. I've been I've been following you for years now, and uh, inspired by you every day. So uh, it's really it's really good to talk to you. I appreciate that, man. Thanks. So, first question I wanted to ask you that uh, is always on the on the forefront of my mind is what was the uh, what was the driving force that got you into the building saddles and kind of the cowboy crafting industry i mean was it uh was it necessity or was it a drive for the art or how did that work out for you
1: uh it was a little bit of both it, you know when i first kind of came in contact with leather craft that i'd never i grew up in a household where we we did a lot of arts and stuff my mom's an artist and and uh, my dad was a tinkerer and messed with everything and you know tried to fix everything and, and we welded and did a lot of stuff and so I was, I was always involved in a kind of crafting of some sort, you know? And, uh, when I was in eighth grade, I guess somewhere around that time period, I had a friend that I grew up rodeoing with and we had gone, I'd gone over to his house for a long weekend and took some cabs and my horses and everything. And we were going to rope the all weekend and I was hanging out there and never been to his house before. And we go into to his barn there to, to put stuff up and everything. And his dad had a whole little leather shop there in the corner of his barn. And, uh, and that's what I, that was the first one I had seen, you know, first anything being around leather and, um, throughout the weekend, you know, we we, we caught ourselves in there tinkering around and he showed us some stuff and that sort of thing. And so, um, that was my first, first kind of view of it and, and being able to kind of get my hands on some leather and tools and play around. And he taught me a lot. And then that following Christmas, probably around there, my dad got me a Tandy kit, one of the, one of the bigger ones. And, um, I made everything in that kit, you know, and, and it was, it was worked ever since, you know. Just kind of was always something I was always doing, and it progressively grew through high school and all that, and then uh, and and growing up in South Texas, we didn't have a lot of saddle makers or anything like
0: that. Right, right. So, so it was it was love at first sight then.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was you know I, I fell in love with it immediately. It was just a neat a neat medium to work in. And uh, and it had some utilitarian use, you know, because I had my own saddles and things were breaking, and right, so I started right. tinkering around fixing my own stuff, you know.
0: That's that's pretty that's pretty great story. I I kind of had a similar a similar experience, and you know, seems like people that have uh, kind of had the feel of old and used tack and never had the money growing up to buy anything, you know, like brand new, and they're always fixing stuff and. Then you figure out, hey, maybe I can do that, and then you realize you got a real passion for it, and you know that's yeah. that's when you kind of know you have longevity in it because you you really do have that love for it. So, tell us about where you're located down there in Texas, and uh, are you uh, are you mainly a custom shop building new saddles, or do you do a bunch of repair too, or what kind of a business model do you have for some of that?
1: Yeah, we. Uh... We're in Bryan, Texas, which is, um, most people know Bryan College Station or Texas A&M University, which is the biggest school in Texas and, and where I graduated from in, in 2002. But that's what brought me here was the university, uh, trying to go to, I was aiming to go to veterinary school and that's where our vet school's at is in Bryan College Station. And so that's where my shop is at. And that's where we ended up, up and, and, um, I worked with a guy there in Bryan that, um, I became friends with, he was a saddle, saddle maker here in town and kind of became friends with him. And when I graduated, I went to work for him and and ended up getting kind of an apprenticeship. And so, but as far as my business, when I bought it from him, I bought that existing shop. And when I did that, um, we had a retail store for a while. And then, um, over the last 10 years, we were there and now I've sold it. So my business has kind of, kind of changed and uh, I'm working on getting to the point where I've got my shop at home just because we're, we're predominantly a custom saddle shop. That's what we do. Like that's my focus as a craftsman is building custom saddles, but I also do, you know, belts and personal items and bags, you know, as far as briefcases or rope bags and things like that. So we get into a lot of other items, but I'm kind of selective on which ones I, I do get into. We don't, it's just me and one other guy now, and uh, he does a lot of the repair and, and helps me with some of the custom stuff. Um, but, yeah, we do, we do a lot of saddle repair just because there's not a whole lot of people in this town to send people
0: to. Yeah, so. yeah. So do you find that you enjoy the other parts of the crafts, the belts and the handmade stuff? I mean, is that is that something you enjoy doing, or is that something you do kind of to stay afloat?
1: <laughs> Man, it, it's one of the deals It's like, you know— like I said, I was aiming to go to vet school when I was when I was at, coming out of high school and everything. I worked for a lot of vets, and, and the saddle industry is kind of one of the same things. You know, like with a vet, vet deal, I wanted to be a horse vet. That's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a surgeon, you know, and uh, that's what I was going to gonna be. And you get to working for all these vets that are country vets that, that have their mixed practice, you know, have to do both small and yeah. large animal. And they all say, you know, the money's made on the uh, in the exam room with dogs and cats versus with horses or cattle or anything like that. And the leather industry, or at least my shops, that way, I I build. You know, my saddles aren't cheap, but they're not the highest price in the world. But they're they're definitely not the lowest. And it's one of the deals that I for how many saddles I can build in a year compared to how many belts and smaller items I can. There's certainly a lot more money in the smaller items yeah. than there is. There. But the set, but they don't have the quite
0: the same passionate effect with me yep.
1: as the saddles do.
0: Yep, you know? I I hear you. I hear you. It's kind of a a uh, a business decision to put put some of those smaller items in the in the pipeline. And uh, while they're fun to build every now and then, it's it's definitely going back to to the first love. Yeah. You know, it's. And we, uh,
1: we've done a we've done a ton of belts. I mean, our I think our our business probably was the name was was more recognizable for the belts and things and and it was it's always been kind of my deal is any man that walks through my door i can build a belt for because i've built belts for lawyers and bankers that are you know just straight high-end exotic leather dress belts that you'd wear with a suit you know and uh and then we build the wild belts that, that anybody else would wear you know the paint and color right. skulls and feathers and all that so those are the things that kind of travel quick on social media and catch a lot of eyes and and i uh, and so they're they a great item for me, and I, I do enjoy building them. I do occasionally get burned out on them some, some and I will back <laughs> off of them a little bit and <laughs> slow up on building
0: them, but, but I do enjoy them. Yeah. So was it a natural thing for you when you st- first started to build saddles and belts and all that stuff? Was it a natural transition into the craft, or did you find there was a major learning curve? Or what was your experience like if you're somebody out there listening and you say, oh, man, you know, I love that guy. I wish I could. I could be a craftsman like him. For you, was it a major learning curve, or did you find you kind of fell into it pretty easy?
1: As far as leather craft as a whole,
0: as far uh, as saddle making and leather crafting, I mean, was there was yeah. was it like, oh man, I'm never gonna get there? I know for me, uh, I didn't have the same experience that you did. I spent a lot of my first years, you know, I worked in a repair shop, but I spent a lot of years self-taught, and so you know I was butting my head against the brick wall for a long time and you know I think there's yeah. a lot of people that experience that where it sounds like you kind of went through a little bit of a, a mentorship so was it was it a smoother transition for you
1: yeah i will say that it's for, especially on the saddles cuz when so when i got with him and started working with him i was i had just graduated when i went to work for him and from college and so I was I had been doing leather, leather work all through college and I had done repairs and I mean, my roommates always hated me because we had sneaky saddles everywhere <laughs> and I was always having some strange cowboy dropping off something at the apartment and leaving it for me to fix and so it, you know I was already doing leather work which was pretty much self-taught all the way up to that point because I never had had met a saddle maker he was the first one I'd ever met and so whatever books I could buy, whatever, you know, I mean, all the Al Stoneman stuff and then, you know, the the Sheridan book by Clint Fay and all them. I mean, all, all those things helped me a lot. And that's, that's basically, so I don't ever say I'm really self-taught because I had all these books and anything I could find. Right. But it was, it was through that medium that, you know, back then we didn't have Facebook and and internet. I mean, it was there, but I didn't have a computer, you know, so we didn't, we didn't do that. So it was trying to figure out how to do all these things. When I went to work for him and I decided I wanted to build my first saddle I basically told him I said I went to work for him as a grunt so I was washing saddles cleaning and doing repairs building chaps and uh, and belts and those kind of things and and I mean he built a lot of chaps and he just didn't want to, he didn't want to take them but well, when I went to work there I said take all you can because I'll do whatever. Um, whatever you get and so we start, kind of started building that relationship and and then when I finally felt comfortable enough I said if I buy all the material will you show me how to build one and he said absolutely he said you know we'll, we'll do that and so I bought all the material and we built a saddle my very first one which I still have and it was on a wade tree you know it, it was just cowboy you know and so we built that and after that he ended up handing me work order
0: you know
1: for the next saddle and he's like we'll we'll build this one together too and it was one of his orders and so i had that kind of relationship with somebody who was already 30 40 years into the trade and so that saved me a lot because i couldn't imagine going through that by yourself right because and i was going to like that was my plan i had already taken one of my saddles from high school and tore it down to the tree and was going to rebuild i was going to build a saddle and i'm glad i never did that because I would have learned a lot, but it would have been a completely different, like, I'm proud of my first saddle, but I can see all the, the bad points oh, and yeah. like the things I did wrong. Right. But, I, man, I couldn't imagine if, you know, if it wouldn't have had him there. So, I, I, yeah, I think that was really helpful. Um, anytime you can get that kind of guidance, even if it's just a little bit like, a, like the tutorials and stuff that we do on our website and stuff like that. To me, if, if it helps somebody with one little thing, even if it's just, how somebody slicks their edges or, or how they cut something out, those little things can save you tons of
0: leather. Absolutely. Tons of time. Absolutely. Yeah. Stuff that stuff that would take you years to figure figure by yourself. So you yes. have you have a a flair for artwork all the way around. I mean I have a piece on my wall hanging here uh, <laughs> a yep. a drawing that you did. Now is it charcoal or what is the medium that you used on that particular one?
1: That piece there is actually all graphite
0: graphite graphite.
1: every once in a while i'll I'll throw in some charcoal but in that piece i don't think i did but um i'm kind of dangerous when it gets to like fine art stuff i just kind of start throwing things together like (laughs) the one i'm working on now that i just finished is it's charcoal graphite and chalk really and i just you know i've seen some other people use graphite and chalk but i just got to doing it and i use whatever makes it turn out the way i want it to turn out so it's the one you when you have it's
0: just graphite it's yeah. a beautiful beautiful piece and i my grand uh my granddad and my dad were both uh we both artists my granddad was a watercolor artist that did some work for disney and my dad was an oil painter so uh i definitely Fantastic. know uh what a what a good piece looks like so do you have you have uh, ambition to do more more artwork like that are you uh are yes. you trying to expand your your business in that area as well
1: Yes, sir. Yeah, that's kind of, I've drawn since I was a little kid. Like, like I said, my mom's an artist. And so I grew up with all kinds of art supplies and we played around with all kinds of stuff. And I've always been kind of more focused on art when I probably should have been studying. hit's why I'm not a veterinarian now. So. <laughs> <laughs> but but what it goes down to, it, I mean, I, I, I like the art and I've never I've never had the time to focus on it. Um, getting the business started and kind of doing that, focusing on, on my saddle skills and And so, um, now I'm, I'm just, I finally got to the point where I say, you know, if I don't make time for it, I don't think I'll ever will. So I'm just going to go ahead and carve out time for it. So I'm trying to turn out as much as I can. Most of what I've ever done has been portraits for friends and family. And that piece that you got, that's the first piece of artwork I've ever had prints made of. And it's the first time I've ever actually offered any of my work for sale. Most of my stuff is all, it's all been given away. Um, like I said, I, Oh, my favorite thing to do was, uh, save the dates Mm -hmm. you know when people send you a Mm -hmm. wedding invitation now they send you the save the date yep and i i've done it for a couple different friends of mine for their weddings but i'll i'll do a portrait of their save the date photo and to me you know they spend thousands on the photographer for her and her wedding dress right but to me the save the date picture is kind of more relaxed and fun because it's
0: before all the stress and before all the uh, matrimonial vows and you know what i mean it's
1: just kind of like i try to capture that so i've done a bunch of those for folks and they always turned out good but yeah that piece that you have is uh a, is a, that's my goal is to start getting out a few more pieces when i can and and if they, they're they well received great if they're not i've, I've got them
0: you know still so. yeah and the great thing about that is you know when you're doing something you want to do for yourself, like you've done with that, you know, if people buy it, that's, that's great. Well, but... and
1: that's real too, because I've had, you know, I, I kind of Instagram started out as kind of just a my private deal, you know, because yep. my brother got on there and I, I never really knew what Instagram was. And he was on there and he said, man, get on there. I'm on there all the time. And so I got on there and, and at first it was just me, you know, friends and family, you know, and then I started putting some
0: leatherwork work stuff. Well, it started growing. Well, now my Instagram is bigger than my Facebook yeah. by far. Yeah. Oh, I hear and I hear you.
1: I hear you. Yeah, it's, it's way more useful. Like yeah. I, I love Instagram. I'm on there way more than my Facebook deal, but the same thing with the art. Like I, I put that on there. And so now I'm getting people that have asked, you know, if I would do a commission or something for them. And, and I haven't opened that door yet because it, and, and I try to be as polite as I can when I, whenever I turn them down, but I always tell them, you know, if, uh, if I ever do, I'll let you know, but right now I don't have the time for it, but mainly my reason it, I mean, I do commissions technically all day, every day in my shop right. and, the, and the art deal is kind of like, it's what I want to do. You yep. know what I mean? I'm yep. not, I'm not doing it for somebody, so yep. to speak, so I can kind of just take my time and do what I want to do yep. and then put it out there. Absolutely. I'm not living on it, so it's not mandatory. <laughs> yeah. And it's nice to
0: have that freedom to sit down and let your creative side express itself and then say, you know, this is what I've done if you feel like you want to buy it, here it is. I think that's very freeing feeling. You know, it's like, uh, I don't care what anyone else thinks about it. This is what I want it to do. And like you say, a lot of times we're doing commissioned piece. Well, most of the time. And, uh, sometimes you don't have that ability to express yourself. I, I'm sure one day I'm going to look up at that piece on my wall and, uh, it's going to be worth a lot more money. So I'm excited to see where you take well, I, pre- I
1: appreciate that. That's, that's, that's really nice. I, I hope that I, I live, you know, usually artists, you know, their pieces aren't worth anything until they're
0: dead.
1: So <laughs> I'm hoping that I'm alive when that happens. But if not, man, it was good talking to you.
0: <laughs> well, it, it's, it means, you know, I, I absolutely hear what you're saying about Instagram. Uh, spent so much time on Facebook and uh, saw no returns uh, without, you know, I mean, the returns were minimal. And it's a good it's a good space, but between my website and my and my Instagram feed, uh, I can connect with people in a way I can't connect with them on Facebook. And I don't I don't know what that is about the platform, but it seems like it's a it's just a lot more of an open platform where you know you're you're able to kind of tell a story where you can't really do that on Facebook. And it's pretty super medium for artists that are trying you know crafters that are trying to. Uh, Connect with their customer base, so I, you know, I totally hear you there, one hundred percent.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think Facebook has just gotten to be a little noisy. Yeah, yeah. And people, people, people scroll through their feed so fast, trying to go over the noise to sift through and find anything worth reading. You're looking at, and uh, and Instagram, it's I don't know. I I just like looking at, you know. The only thing I really follow are artists, you know, because I want to see what people are doing, right. and that's kind of what Instagram is. It's like, what am I working on? What You know, if somebody's following me, I assume they're interested in what I'm working on, so that's why I try to post lots of work-in-progress pictures. You
0: know? Yeah, and, and and you're looking for inspiration, you know? I mean, we get on there, right. and we're, we're looking to be inspired, and we're looking to, you know, kind of see what other people are doing. When it When it comes to that end of it, when you decided to build saddles, did you ever come to the point where you, ever had an epiphany, this is, this is what I want my work to look like, or did you kind of just come to that point through without even realizing it? Because I know for me, identity crisis definitely happened, you know, maybe five, six years ago, and I didn't know what kind of work I wanted to do, and uh, it wasn't until I kind of forgot about what other people were doing and started, you know, just doing what I was doing and then realized people wanted to buy that, did you ever have that experience in your in your uh, shop there?
1: Man, I think that's, honestly, for for me, I think that's some of the evolving deals. It's, it's almost evolution part of, of your work. It's always happening, yep. at least for me.
0: Yep, like you. every
1: piece I do, I'm trying to make it better than the last, but not copying myself that I just finished. Right, you know, if right. that makes any sense. That like, makes
0: perfect sense.
1: And because, you you know, you get one done and, and you're just in love with it and it looks great. Well, if I look at it for more than about three or four days, then I've got to go away from it because I, I start picking it. It almost goes the opposite direction. Right. I start tearing it apart. Right. And then I can't even look at it because I'm just so focused in on the negatives instead of the positives that I was able to accomplish through that piece. So for me, on my saddles especially, and, it, and in the roping deal, I've a lot of roping saddles because that's just where the country we are. That's what most people are ordering, and, and that's kind of our biggest seller is, is our team roping and saddles. And I tried my hardest when I when I started to really keep my saddles looking as much like mine you know to where they, they they had a certain look about them right. because i didn't want it's so easy to fall in there and fo- try to follow council's footsteps or billy hog and you know you've got these big guys that are building and uh, you know that that have been around and made history you know with their work and and, and that in that r- realm and it's so easy to look at their saddles online or find somebody's got one and try to say well i'm gonna build just that well to me I've never wanted to do that I've never wanted to really just copy anybody but some of those things sometimes can trickle in if you're if you're so enamored with you know what I mean and yes, you're really looking yes. at them all the time well, and so I find myself doing that a lot where I well I, I almost try not to follow too many crap. you know as far as saddle make I love looking at other people's saddles and things they do but then it's you've got to always kind of check and make sure that I'm not doing something yep. just because, well, if he did it, that must be yep. the right way.
0: Exactly. Because
1: what I'm doing must be wrong, and that's usually not the case. It's just the way he did it,
0: you yeah. know? <laughs> it's not yeah. And I, I hear people say to me, well, uh, you know, I'll build them a rig, and they just love it, and they say, well, I have this other saddle from so-and-so, whoever it might be, and they did something differently. They did it this way. And I said, well, it's great. You know, uh, that's the way they built it, and uh, it works good for them. And then I go in to explain to them why I did what I did with mine, and why it works good for the rig that I built. And it's interesting to me that uh, people, even even our customers, they have a mindset of what they want, not necessarily because it's the best way or the right way, but because they've seen it done that way before. And I think that's kind of a dangerous thing to fall into that, you know, you're going to feed people what's already been done just because it's been done. If that makes any sense. Yeah. And,
1: and as, as, um, as far as for us as craftsmen, that's true too, because you know, you, you can go through there and look at, well, I've done it this way all the time and then be scared to change
0: something. Yep.
1: Because, you know, you're kind of looking at it going, well, I want to change that. I'm tired of looking at it that way. What if I did? And then you're almost kind of scared or apprehensive to make that change because you've done it that way so long and there was you know when I built when I went to phoenix in january for that uh, emerging artist competition Mm -hmm. there that was my that was my sole purpose for going was I wanted to get it in front and get critiques about my work because I sit in my shop by myself right you know and and I know what everybody else is building but I don't get to see it and have people point out exactly and there was uh, one guy Terry and, and i really wanted to get his critique because I followed him on Facebook Mm -hmm. for a long time and Mm -hmm. I really, really enjoy his work. And, um, and it just from fitting to tooling to everything to me, it's just got a certain look about it that appeals to me. Right. And so I wanted not only the TCA's deal um, critiques, but I I also just want, I wanted him to look at it too. And he gave me a fantastic critique and showed me some things. And now that he's pointed them out, I never saw them before. Right. The things that he pointed out, I'm like, why did I do, why, why didn't I do it that way? Or, you know what I mean? It's not nothing, it's not anything that I had to learn. It's just, I had to do it that yep. way. And I never, I've never done it that yep. way. And I don't even know where my way came from. Yep. I if hear just you evolved throughout the builds over the last 10 years. And that's just where I ended up, you know? Yep. So it's really easy to get kind of stuck in your rut and, 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 and get to where you, your saddles almost start taking on their own look, which is good. But sometimes you've got to kind of reanalyze and see if you're
0: headed the direction you want Absolutely. to go. Absolutely. Right. I. I totally hear you. I, I went to that same that same deal a few years ago and totally uh, did not know what I was getting into when I went into it and uh, got some of just the best advice I've ever gotten. Uh, oh, it was great. Yep. And it, it, was worth the, it was worth every minute, you know. By the end of it, you're not really thinking about it as a any kind of a competition. I mean, you are, but you're thinking, man, I really want to know what you think and what you think. And there were so many people there, you know, that just had the best insight, uh, and uh, I feel like I learned more in those few days than I had in, in a year's time. So you know, it was pretty, oh, it agree. was pretty great. And you yeah. know, those kind of opportunities do not come around very often to be able to, you know, get people together. And one of the biggest things I found is the guys that had the, uh, what's the word? I don't, I don't want to say ego, but had the kind of I have it all figured out already idea. They just didn't really they don't really have anything to lend or to take, if that makes any sense, you know, because they're like, yeah, I don't really, I don't know, you know, but like for, for like for you, I mean, I look at your work and I think, man, that's, that's phenomenal. And the fact that you can go to an event like that and say, you know, I was there to learn. I think that says a lot about the humility of your work, which as you know, as a crafter and an artist is an important aspect of what we do. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, it was, I told, you know,
1: my wife and I were flying and it was, it was funny because it was our first trip we've taken. We've got two kids under three—a year and a half old and a two and a half year old. So, <laughs> needless to <laughs> say, our life is busy, and so it, it's been busy, you know. And so, we, this was our first trip uh, leaving leaving our babies with grandparents. So we were kind of both nervous and and uh, you know about going. And but we made it there, and, and we were flying over there. And she's like, you know, are you nervous? I said, no, I, I'm I'm not. Ner- I'm, I'm nervous, of course, because I said well, I never met any of these guys, and mm-hmm. I had never met Perry in person at all. Mm-hmm. And I talked to him a lot on on Facebook. as just the most genuine, open dude I've ever met. I mean, just real, real nice and helpful. Um, he's been he's been great as far as helping me through some snags I had in a couple builds uh, last year and stuff. and online as, so it was good to, to meet him and that's what told her i said i don't care you know all i know is i want to get land in phoenix the saddles there with me and we're there then i'm good like because i'm going to be there with yeah. you know if you think about yeah. that i don't know how many people enter that thing but they take the top 10 right and that's who gets to compete well you figure even if it's we're not that big a group if you take like all the saddle makers the united states we're pretty tiny as right. far as a niche right market. but if you had a hundred of them that's the top 10 that's that's an honor just to get absolutely. accepted for that absolutely. deal. And so then you then you're, you're, the bigger benefit is that not only are you there with the TCA and getting to meet those guys and see what they do, and they've got some of their stuff on display, but you're also there with the 10 best saddle makers out of everybody that entered that thing. So that's, you know what I mean, that's a whole spectrum
0: of absolutely. people that are
1: going to get to look at your work. And that's, you get to look at theirs. So absolutely.
0: It was yeah. and, and on top of that, you uh, the other artists that are there that are not saddle makers, silversmiths and, um, Wilson Capron. I spent a lot of time talking to him while I was there because of, uh, I mean, I grabbed one of his notebooks and just sat down one day and just, you know, rummaged through it because I wanted to see what his process was, how he, how he sat down and what he did. The guy's kind of a freak of nature because he gets up every morning at some unknown hour and sits at his notebook and draws and, you know, that sort of thing. And, and and it was just all that stuff just kind of builds a, a a database in your mind that you can't find on a computer and you can't find on the internet and it's you know it's a really good really good yeah. reinforcing uh, opportunity for for craftsmen. I've got a, a
1: funny deal about that. That you, it's funny that you brought that up because I'm kind of an analog guy when it comes to my process. You know, like like I do. You know. We have the YouTube channel, we have a website, we do all that, you know, and I'm on social media and all that, but when Mm -hmm. it comes down to me thinking and actually trying to figure out, I I do much the same. I I have notebooks and I draw and I I do all this stuff and hash out ideas and whether it's planning for just workflow at the shop or whether it's actual conceptual ideas for a project, but when I found Wilson on uh, and he was great to meet too by the way out there I, he was a really neat dude and but i've been following his dad on Inst- i think on mm-hmm. instagram mm-hmm. yeah uh and, and he's an artist so I've, i obviously found him you know i was hooked you know and so i following him well, i found wilson and and started following his stuff and i don't know anything about silver work or bits or anything but any kind of craft i'm I'm wanting to watch well i started following him and, and i'm usually up fairly early you know and and i'm up doing my thing too you know and And I told my wife, I said, I cannot beat. I had a goal. I don't know why I said this, but every morning I'd get up and I would open my phone or whatever. And Wilson had already been up for like 45 minutes. And I'm like, he's either posted this on schedule or he's actually up at 430 or 5, whatever it is. And so I told my wife, I said, I'm going to get I'm going to beat him up one morning. You know, I'm going to get out of bed before him and post something, you know, like one of my drawings or sketches, you know, and I couldn't do it. Every time, it didn't matter if I got up at, you know, four o'clock, he's already been up. (laughs) (laughs) I always thought that was funny. I said, I probably just quit. I said, well, I'm not going to beat him up.
0: He keeps getting up way earlier than me. But it's so funny you should bring that up because I had this very conversation with him. I'm like, you know, what's up with you? You're you're like a guy that never sleeps or something and he's like no no i i go to, i go to bed and then i get up like at four o'clock in the morning and i'm like well okay whatever you know that's not much sleep yeah. and he you know he's the funniest guy ever and he's the only guy that was as tall as me so that was nice you know <laughs> yeah well i got to meet Dusty smith out there and he he's uh
1: he was the tallest guy. I, I've got one customer that's a really good customer friend. He's, he, I think, he's six seven or six eight, somewhere around there, six six somewhere. But uh, but Dusty was out there, and, and that that boy's tall. Oh yeah. He's got some
0: <laughs> yeah. He he was taller He was taller than me by a couple inches, and uh, and uh, I get a lot of trees from him. And he was out there when I was there too. And I was like, you know what? I don't really want to stand by you cause I haven't had a lot of experience in my life of being the short one. So go over there yeah. or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, make It make, makes you feel like a short guy. That's why, I told, that's why I tell that one customer of mine, we go somewhere. It's not all,
1: every day that I'm the shortest one <laughs> in the bunch. It
0: makes you feel bad. You know, you're like, uh, what is going on? I've never, my neck's not adjusted to looking up. I don't want, I want to have this experience yeah. today. <laughs> exactly. Well, well, I'll tell you what, uh, wonderful, uh, Insight. I wish I could talk to you for an hour and a half because, man, it uh, it speaks to my my own create. I've had the hardest time when you talk about creativity and and organizing. And um, I'm a strictly chaos creator at times. You know, I don't always have that moment where I sit down and and write it out and, and uh, you know do that analog thing. I've I've definitely gotten into that practice over the years, but it was a it was a harder thing for me to, invi- you know, I'd lay down at night and I'd think it all out in my mind and then I'd, you know, go, but it was never organized then, so that was a, that was something for me I had to learn, you know, and I think the best guys in anything, whether it's arts or, you know, whatever it is, they get to that point where they figure that out, you know, you gotta sit down, you gotta write it out, you gotta draw it out, because something happens in your mind when you put pen to, to paper, you know, I don't, I don't know what it is, but psychologically, I think there's something that changes in your mind. Well, yeah, and your your brain is, isn't is designed to, to, uh, to store a lot right. of information, you know. I mean, it's it's mainly to keep you from falling down a manhole or <laughs> keep
1: you from getting eaten by cougars. So, you know, getting that out of your head and onto paper allows you to see it visually, and right. you're a visual artist. You're creating visual pieces, you know, with, with whatever medium you're using, whether it's leather or wax or... You know, doing clay or, or anything like that, you're doing. So why not? You know, you got to get it out of your head and get it on paper. Or you can hash it out. And, and uh, it's like my my dad told me. That you ever notice when you write down your shopping list, and then you can forget your shopping list at home, but still remember what's on it.
0: Yep. Know? Yep. Versus if you just told yourself, "Don't forget the milk," <laughs> you're gonna get. That's to it. You're gonna, you're gonna forget, forget it. it. You're gonna forget yeah. it. You can. That is such great advice. It, it is. It, it it goes all throughout the totem pole of life it's fantastic and and uh, I just barely finished reading a book that you recommended um, The War of Art by Stephen yes, Pressfield and uh, you know uh, I tell you my mind throughout the years has been open to so many people that are way advanced in, in using their, their minds as a tool instead of a, a hinderment and it's just so, so uh, interconnected with our craft that you know I love to have conversations where people look at things a little bit differently than I do because then you start thinking, "Hey, well, you know, what are they saying and why are they saying it?" And it's just such a big help. You know, you'll never get anywhere without it. So, I have, right. I have absolutely loved this conversation, and we will definitely, definitely have you on again. Um, uh, so much, yeah, yeah. You, you have so much to uh, to say and offer, and I, I think people are just going to love hearing it. So. Um, I have 150 other questions, but uh, <laughs> I have a feeling we'd run over our time, our time limit. But uh, so the last question I have for you is: if there was somebody listening here, um, and they were they were considering getting into the crafts, uh, whether it be saddles or silver or whatever it might be, what kind of advice would you give to somebody that was young? And I mean, like you, you went through you went through uh, vet school, and you and you still decided to do a non uh, you know, something you didn't have a degree for. What was the turning point there? Where did you come to that and say, you know what, I can I can do this without a degree, and, and what's the what's the thought process behind that?
1: Well, first, I'm gonna correct you, I didn't go through vet school. I tried, they wouldn't let me in. They didn't want me, but no, no, I, did, I never got in. I applied once, and didn't get in, but no, um, to answer your question, yeah, man, I mean, the biggest thing is, if, if you want it, for me, was it's just like my art, just like I said earlier, like with the art deal. I talk about it for years. I want to be an artist. I'd like to get my art going. But then you never sit down and create art. You're not, you know what I mean? Yep. You're not doing it. Yep. It you, doesn't, you know, it's you, the same thing with saddles. That, you know, I wanted to build a saddle, I want to build a saddle. I, I may have done just as well years before meeting that saddle maker, just sit down and try to build one. I don't recommend that. I mean, I recommend trying to get somebody to help you through your first one or uh, school if somebody puts one on or something like that but the main thing is to start somewhere you've got to start you can't you know you, you can research and read and do all this stuff but at some point you've got to get your hands dirty and get in there and do it you know and just try it um, and so that that's the biggest deal is, and, and you mentioned the war of art and, and that if somebody's on the fence on anything I mean you read that book and it'll fire you up yeah. I mean because it's one of them deals man it's like you know he you, you names off not even a 10th of the resistance that's out there keeping most people from doing what they should be doing yep. and, and what, you know, what they want to do. And, uh, and I catch myself doing it every day, man. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll go into the shop and there's days, just face it. You don't feel like, it. Yep. you know, <laughs> you get in there and you want to do something else or you get sidetracked. A lot of that, you know, it's, it's resistance is trying to, you know, keep you from doing what you're supposed to be doing and, um, and what you're, what you're meant to do. And if that's, if you feel that saddles are, are the deal, then that's, you've got to start somewhere even if it's just learning to make belts but it all boils down to saddles i mean if you if you learn all the the trade it's all in the saddle so it doesn't matter what item you're building find something that you can do Um, because waiting for the perfect time just like me i don't really particularly like the location that i'm at i don't particularly like the building um as far as its layout and just functionality but it's 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 a stopgap between now and where I want to be. Right. So I'm not gonna wait till times are perfect or till my shop is perfect.
0: I'm gonna make what I've got work, even though it may not make me happy right. all the time. Right. That's great advice. <laughs> That's great advice. I, I love it. I love it. It's it's fantastic advice. I I think that there's so many kids out there. You know, whether you're a kid or whether you're in high school, whether you're in college, and even people that have struggled for years to figure out what they're going to do with this this thing that's in the back of their head. And, and it's just great advice. And uh, it's action, positive action against negative resistance. It's great stuff. Yeah, forward motion, man. Just yeah. on a horse all the time, forward yeah. motion. Yeah. <laughs> well, Don, I can't tell you how much we appreciate it. I hope people will sit down and listen to this, and I hope they'll call you up. Where can they find you? What are the, what are the places they can find you at? Oh
1: man, main place if you want to get in contact with us uh, is uh, dgsaddlery.com as in Don com. That's our website. Uh, you can always get in touch with us there. Uh, but as far as social media, I'm most active on Instagram. We do have a Facebook page. Uh, Instagram, I'm just Don Gonzalez. And then um, we also have a YouTube channel if anybody's wanting to get into leather work or wanting to see kind of what the process is and what goes on. There's a lot of tutorials on there that are free. Just get on there and watch them on YouTube, Don Gonzalez.
0: Fantastic, and we'll link that up in our podcast when it airs out so people can just click on that. But uh, an absolute pleasure, and uh, we'll be talking to you again a bunch more in the future. All right, Josh. Thank you very much, man. Take care of yourself, sir. Yes, sir. See you now. Alrighty, folks, we sure hope you enjoyed that interview there with Don. An absolute blast to interview him. We'll do it again. Um, the guy is just a good guy. One of the good guys. Um, there's another another thing I wanted to mention now that interview's over. The, uh, the resources that we have for doing this podcast are not many, but we do try to add all... Um, all that we can into them as far as making them enjoyable to listen to with sound effects and uh, blending and editing. Um, my brother does that for me. He's uh, he's a musician. He creates a lot of the, mus- the music and all that sort of stuff. So um, I want to acknowledge him here, brother Hiram, um, and uh, thank you for what you do. Um, he does all of it uh, from editing to music to you name it, and uh, pretty thankless job, but we want to tip our hat to him here right now. Um, we want to tip our hat to each one of you that takes the time to listen to this podcast um, and to send me messages. I got numerous messages after the last podcast um, giving me insight, info, and input. want to thank each and every one of you. Um, if you will continue to do that, uh, that would be awesome and uh then i want to thank all of the people around me that continue to support this effort both in uh, making this and continuing to uh, experience and express the dialogue of the true american west and cowboy craft Um, if you have anything you would like to add to what we were doing please send us a email to at me.com or go ahead and send me a message on instagram at cowboy crafts or over at 70 saddle shop um, and we will love to hear from you and talk to you lastly on the list is there is a new website that we are working on currently that will house the podcasts we will have a home for it after all Um, We have McFarland Productions working on creating us a fantastic, open-filling website. And it will navigate much better than the current one and will allow you to go from place to place. So the Cowboy Crafts Home will be on the new website very soon and uh, we will get you the information for that. If you'd like to get a hold of Don Gonzalez, you can go to his website, Don Gonzalez, and... uh, or you can look him up on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. He's widely known. And uh, and you shouldn't have any problem finding him. And then tell him, we sent you to him. Um, and lastly, while recording this, uh, Hurricane Harvey has been striking the coast of Texas. And it's fitting that we have dawn on during this uh, terrible... Uh, Incident in which uh, flooding and hurricanes and winds have ravaged the coast, um, especially up in Houston, and uh, our prayers go out to all those suffering in uh, in Texas. There, we have done what we can to help the efforts in both keeping people safe and fed, and also in rebuilding those areas and we will continue to do what we can and we will continue to pray for those people and uh, animals and everyone involved Uh, we sure hope that all the uh, all that can be done is being done to rectify the situation and we're glad that more human life was not lost in a terrible natural disaster like that and then lastly um, we always give the glory to God on this podcast and uh and we are grateful to live in America, uh the land of the free and the home of the brave. Um, whether you agree with how the country is being run currently or has been in the past, it is the Constitution and the great freedoms that are embodied within the idea of America that we hold so true. And uh, we hope that everyone unites under this banner and brings unity and peace to this great country of America. Thank you everyone for your continued support of the Cowboy Crafts Podcast. We could not do this without you and we hope that you will continue to give us feedback, support, and input. May God bless America and may god bless each and every one of you my friends um we will have kurt Matson on the next episode that will be airing in a week or so and you will thoroughly enjoy that until then we will follow up with the poem as we always do and we will say adios Our manhood's prime vigor, No spirit fills waste, Not a muscle is stopped In its playing nor sinew embraced. Oh, the wild joys of living, The leaping from rock up to rock, The strong rendering of boughs From the fir tree, The cool silver shock Of the plunge in a pool's living water, The hunt of the bear, And the sleep in the dried river channel where bulrushes tell That the water was wont to go warbling so softly and well. How good is a man's life, oh the mere living? Browning